Welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. Well, it is Super Bowl Sunday. I'm glad you came to church today. If you're wearing some sports gear, I decided to wear something a little different. Uh, This is the new high scorer in basketball all-time points, LeBron James. If you didn't see, I saw a few LeBron James jerseys in the the congregation. But I want to know who, for tonight, we've got the Eagles and the Chiefs. Who here is, you're rooting for the Eagles. You say, I'm an Eagles fan tonight. Go Eagles all the way. Okay, all right, quite a few hands. How many of you say you're going for the Chiefs? James, lead the, lead the Chiefs chant here. Here we go. Come on. The Mahomes. Uh, we got a few Chiefs fans in the room. How many of you are like, I don't care. I don't even know who's playing. It doesn't matter to me. Okay, way too many hands went up. That makes me sad. Uh, that's okay. That's all right. Well, anyways, I've, just, I've always enjoyed the big game. You know, even if, uh, even if I'm not sure who I'm rooting for, I just want to see a good game. I want to see an epic play, a dramatic finish. And uh, one of the most dramatic ways that a football game can end is when one team is desperately trying to score to tie or take the lead, and they have no option, and they throw what's called a Hail Mary to the end zone to see if they can score on the last play of the game. And so I got a video to show you a few clips of what a Hail Mary might look like in the NFL. Check this out. Chosen one, 
We are not the Messiah, but we are anointed. We are chosen by God. And the past two weeks before that, we looked at how, you know, how to start in prayer. We looked at the Lord's Prayer as a template to pray for forgiveness, both of ourselves, to ask forgiveness of God, and to forgive others who have hurt us. And today we're going to look at a prayer in desperate situations, a prayer of faith and power with the message entitled Hail Mary. Now, Hail Mary is traditionally a Catholic prayer, right? I want to make sure we know we, we don't believe in praying to Mary. She's a great woman of faith, a woman of God, but we don't pray to her. She is not God. And so today we're looking at, as we pray to God in desperate times, we're going to look at the story of Elijah as he rivaled against the false gods in the Old Testament. We're going to look at Mount Carmel in 1 Kings chapter 18. Before we start, though, we're actually going to start in the book of James, and then we'll switch over to 1 Kings um, I hope that you guys have been making progress in reading the Bible this year. How many of you doing okay? We're about, what is this, five, six weeks into the year? A few more weeks, if you keep going at this rate, you're going to make it a habit. And if you haven't started yet, there's no better day to start right now. Start today and make that a habit to get into the Word of God. All right, today with the Hail Mary, looking at the prayer of faith, before we go to 1 Kings 17 and 18, I want to show you what the New Testament says, how they portrayed Elijah as a man of faith and prayer. Look at James chapter 5, starting in verse 13. It says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So what does James give us as the answer for suffering and sickness? Prayer. If you're suffering, he says, pray. If you're sick, call on your friends, call on the leaders of the church to pray for you. When we have altar time from time to time, we come up front, we have people praying for one another. That's biblical. We're following the biblical model. When we're sick, when we're hurting, we are encouraged to pray. Is that typically our first reaction when we feel hurt and sick? We don't want to do anything, right? We just want to kind of lay there. But anytime that we've had the courage and the strength to get up and pray and worship, have you ever left a time and said, man, I can't believe I did that. What a waste of time. No, I'm like, I'm so glad I did that. Why didn't I do that sooner? Why didn't I come to God in prayer and worship sooner? It always helps us focus on what's most important, remind us that God is with us in the difficult times. And sometimes there's a point to the suffering. I'm not saying God causes these bad things, but what does it force us to do? Hopefully, put our attention back on God. The suffering, I don't remember the quote exactly, but C.S. Lewis, he talks about how he whispers to us, God whispers to us in our pleasure, in our joy, but he, what he shouts in our pain. It's an opportunity for God to get a hold of our attention. And look at what James says in the very next verse after that, verse 17. He says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. 
Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. So after James explains when we should pray, he gives an example of a godly man who knew how to pray a prayer of faith. So now with that in mind, we're going to go back to the Old Testament and look at the story of the prophet who prayed fervently, earnestly, that it would not rain, and God responded to his prayer. Here's the verse where Elijah declares this. Look at 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. It says, Now Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years, except by my word. Here, this is a, a dark time for the people of Israel. They've, they've been governed by a wicked king and queen, Ahab and Jezebel. King and queen who they've chosen to turn away from the Lord. And there's a reason why Elijah prays for no rain to come over the land. There's a reason why God answers this prayer. And there's a reason that Elijah says what he does. He, he says, he declares that Yahweh, the God of Israel, lives. He has to say that because some of the people of Israel at this time believed that Yahweh was gone. That their God who had led them out of Egypt from before, he's no longer with them. And so Elijah says, I stand before the God, Yahweh, who lives, and I'm just a man. That's why it says in James, I have a nature like everyone else. It's not about me. It's about the God that I'm serving. And so our first point today, as we look at what a prayer of faith looks like for us, number one, the prayer of faith acknowledges God is Lord. When we pray, we have to recognize who the God is that we are praying to. When you pray a salvation prayer over your life, you are recognizing that you're a sinner, you're in need of a Savior, and that is Jesus Christ. You're acknowledging He is Lord to you. He is the Lord of your life. You're giving Him authority and Lordship in your life. In those days, some people believed that Yahweh was no longer there. Others believed that they could serve both Yahweh and Baal. That both were alive and we could serve both. And it's interesting that Elijah decides to pray this way and take away the rain from the earth. Because Baal, the false god, he was the, the god of fertility of the land. He was the god of lightning and storm. I think it's a way that God was saying, we'll see who's actually the God of those things. Can you stop me from ceasing all, all water, all rain from coming on the land? If you're really the God of lightning and thunder, let's see what you can do about that. When we pray a prayer of faith, we have to acknowledge who God is in our life. Acknowledge he has the authority in the situation. If you're praying for healing in your life, I would say something along the lines of, God, I recognize that you are the great physician. You are the great healer. I, I recognize that by your stripes, Jesus, we are healed. That's what the word of God says. And you said that our prayer of faith will save the sick 
and will raise them up. And right now I come against any attack of the enemy. I say they have no power. They have no authority over my body. I resist any attack of the powers and the principalities of this world. And I cling to my Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, who gives me the authority as his disciple, as his anointed one. And I can pray this prayer in faith and believe that you will do it. Anybody with me this morning? We have the authority because we know, just last week, Pastor Dennis talked about this. He looked at Luke chapter 4. He said, Jesus said, I've come to, I've been anointed to proclaim the good news, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to recover sight to the blind, to set at liberty the oppressed. And if you remember, Jesus told us if we believe in him and the work that he does, greater things will we do. If we what? If we say, if we ask whatever in my name. If you ask in the name of Jesus, if you believe in his authority, who he is in your life, he will do those things, not so that you get glorified, so that the Father will be glorified through the Son. When we pray in faith, we have to acknowledge that he is the God of healing, he is the God of breakthrough. We have to acknowledge that Jesus is our Savior, and we don't have a hope in this life outside of Jesus. Is it okay if I preach on Super Bowl Sunday? Okay. The prayer of faith is elevating God, and it's also casting down the enemy. Now, not everything that happens to us in life is an attack of the enemy. If I go outside and play football today and run around like I'm still a teenager, and tomorrow I'm barely able to move hobbling around, that's not the attack of the enemy, that's the attack of stupidity. <laughs> that is my inability to stay exercising. That's the attack of lethargy. That's the attack of inactivity in my life telling me, hey Matt, you need to work out more. You need to exercise more. You need to get in shape. Sometimes we say things like that, right? Satan has really been attacking my finances. Well, I don't think he's really had to do a whole lot of attacking on your finances. Because you haven't taken the time to store up a savings account for situations that are going to come like a car accident. And so now you're in trouble because you have not made a smart decision with your finances. Is that the attack of the enemy? Or is it a foolish decision on us? Right? Can we all agree we make bad decisions? We look for somewhere else to blame. Some, how did someone else? Must have been attack of the enemy. Well, sometimes, yes. And sometimes we need to make wise decisions. A prayer of faith recognizes that God is Lord. And this is what Elijah is doing in the moment. He's announcing that God is alive. He is the Lord over all. He's greater than Baal. And we're going to see a demonstration of that power very soon. Turn over to the next chapter, chapter 18. Read the first verse here. Remember, 17.1, Elijah declares no, no water, no rain on the land. Look what happens here, the next chapter over. After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. It's been over three years since that last prayer that caused all rain to end. And we know rain is vital for the crops. It's vital for the animals. It's vital for us as human beings. We need water. 
to survive? During this time, I bet you, during this time, Elijah has been hiding from the wicked king and queen. And I can just imagine the propaganda that was taking place in Israel, saying that Elijah, the sorcerer, he has caused all this, all of our reign to stop. It's his fault. Has nothing to do with what we're doing wrong. And here in this moment, Elijah says, well, God says to Elijah, he says, go show yourself to Ahab and I will send rain upon the earth. Okay, so Elijah is public enemy number one, all right? He, he, he is the terrorist of Israel. If I were Elijah, I'd say, can you, can you flip that? Can, can you say, I'll send the rain upon the earth and then I'll go show myself to Ahab? Don't you love how God always, I won't say always, very often forces us to make a step in faith before a move of God. Over and over in the Bible, we are asked to take a step of faith and he will show himself faithful. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They didn't know what they were getting into when they stood up to the king. Think about Joshua. They're just marching around the city. They have not yet seen God move in a way to conquer that land. A lot of times we have to make a step in faith in order to see an action from God. It has been over three years since that prayer has ceased all rain. And during this time, Elijah has been hiding. And so Elijah, he's instructed to go to Ahab. Look what happens next in verse 17 when Ahab and Elijah finally meet. It says, when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have. And your father's house, because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel. And the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Ashram who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab and Elijah, they, they meet and Ahab accuses Elijah for the problems that Israel is having. Their economy is, is bleak. It's in a poor, poor condition due to the rain. But Elijah turns it back on Ahab and says, actually, it's you and your fathers who have troubled Israel. You've left the commands of the Most High God. You are leading these people in evil. It goes so far to say that Jezebel is eating at the same table of the prophets of Baal. That is the type of culture that Ahab and Jezebel have built. They have created false gods that now the prophets of those false gods are eating at their table, at the king and queen table. And so all of Israel is, is now brought together on Mount Carmel, as Elijah said. And here's what Elijah says. Verse 21. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long? Will you go living between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Elijah gives the people of Israel an ultimatum. Says follow God or follow Baal. But he says you cannot continue to limp. 
It means you can't keep dancing your, between loyalty to God and loyalty to Baal. And for us today, I think this is a perfect analogy that today we cannot choose to be loyal to God and be loyal to our culture. The culture that Ahab and Jezebel had created was choosing wickedness. It was evil. It was an extremely dark time. And, and there are signs all around us right now here today that we are living in a dark and evil time. All you had to do was turn on the Grammys. I hope you didn't. It's pretty dark. It's pretty evil. It's not just in the shadows anymore. It's been around, but it's becoming more and more public. And it will continue that way if our population allows it. But I feel a word from God this morning that just because evil is more prevalent does not mean that it's more powerful. Amen. The scriptures say, greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. I want you to take comfort in that. Because there was a matchup between God and Baal on Mount Carmel. It was a matchup, but it wasn't a contest. It wasn't even close. Because one prophet of God was able to take on 400 prophets of Baal and 450 prophets of Asherah. And I'm telling you, if there's the faith of one righteous person in our society today, we can change our culture. Do you believe that? One righteous person in society, the prayer of one righteous man, one righteous woman can change what's taking place in our culture. I believe that with all my heart. I'm getting ahead of the story, but I'm passionate about it. And so right here, Elijah says to the people, you have to choose. You can't dance between God and Baal anymore. For you and me today, we can't dance between choosing God and what you're filling the blank. What is one thing that you struggle with your loyalty between you and God? Our second point today is the prayer of faith submits to God and God alone. Prayer of faith says, I'm putting my hope only in you, God, to preserve me and to rescue me. The issue for the people of Israel in that day was not that they didn't believe in God. It was that they did not put their full trust and their hope in God. They believed in God, but they chose to believe in other things. We choose to believe in other people, other vices. What is something else that you're choosing above God? Elijah says, here is how we will test who is greater. Each of us will be given a bull, and we will cut that bull into pieces and lay it on the wood, but there's not going to be any fire. And you're going to call on your God, I'm going to call on my God, and the one who answers by fire is God. And Elijah defers to them, he says, I'll, I'll take the ball in the second half, you start first. You, that was just a football joke. If you didn't get it, just, it just went over your head. It's okay. But Elijah says, you go first. You, you prepare your bull. You cut up, and then you shout out to your God. And this is what it says happened. Verse 26. And they took the bull that was given them, and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made, and at noon Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he's a God. 
either he is musing or he is relieving himself or he is on a journey or perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. This is one of the most entertaining passages of scripture and it reminds me that sarcasm is biblical. Absolutely. When people say, I don't like your sarcasm, I say, well, I guess you don't like the Bible. There's sarcasm in the Bible. Elijah is absolutely crushing them, making fun of them, saying, get louder. He's there for sure. He probably just took a, took a hike. He's on a journey. He went to the bathroom. Say it a little bit louder. He's egging them on. And I love it because it shows me how much faith he has that there's nothing Baal can do that is more powerful than Yahweh. These prophets are dancing around, they're crying out. It even goes so far to say they begin to cut themselves in order to try to get Baal's attention. Anything they can do. You can, you can claim wrong things about this group of prophets of Baal, but you can't say they weren't passionate. Their passion was simply misplaced. I'm not talking about cutting ourselves and doing anything like that. That's not what God asked us to do. But can we, can we serve and can we go after God with a passion to cry out aloud, even when we can't hear, even when things are tough? Unfortunately, their passion was simply misplaced in that moment. And I wonder how often we attempt to serve God, but yet we cry out to and we trust other people and other vices. We say we believe in God, but we look more at our bank account for safety than our Bible. You know, we, we look at more of our savings account. Or we put all our trust in that one person, that one relationship. We put all our trust in those pills and what the doctor says and, and all those things. And yet we're confused when at the end of the day we're still hurting. We're still struggling. We're still in pain. We're still feeling empty because anything that the world offers us cannot truly satisfy us. Praying in faith to God, submitting to Him, is how we can see true change. Now, there's nothing wrong with going to the doctor's office. But maybe pray first before you go. If we believe in healing, but why not at least pray before we go? I believe in the doctor's office, don't get me wrong. I pray as I'm for the wisdom for the doctors as I go in there. I believe in having a savings account and a retirement account and being wise with my money, but I don't look at my accounts to make me feel safe and secure. I put my safety in who God is. I submit to God when a financial problem comes that I'm not expecting. And the people of Israel at this time, they were choosing to trust the idols of this world and maybe God at the same time. But you cannot submit to both. Praying in faith is submitting to God and God alone. So I ask you today, is there an area in your life that you found it hard to submit completely to God? Maybe you've placed something or someone else in the highest place of trust and submission where God should be instead. And the prophets of Baal, they continue to cry out for Sometime, but it's key. It says there's no answer. There's no response. But then it was Elijah's turn. And I wish we had more time to look at this in detail, but Elijah told the people, he says, come near to me, draw close to me. And he repaired the altar of the Lord. And he took 12 stones 
to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And he put the wood in the place, he put the bull on the altar, and he instructed the people to fill the jar and pour water on the offering and the wood. Then he said, pour it a second time. Then he said, pour it a third time. I don't know if there are any Eagle Scouts, Royal Rangers in the room here, but typically if you're trying to create a fire, you want water far away from that. It doesn't help you create that. There's a reason why Elijah did that, right? He wanted to make sure there was no doubt that this was an act of God and nothing else. This was not the act of natural fire, who the people would say that was from Baal. This was fire from heaven. And then Elijah prayed, look at verse 28, I'm sorry, 36, verse 36. And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. It's a powerful prayer of faith. There's, there's a lot here. But notice Elijah starts by recognizing that this is the God of their fathers, the grandfathers, their ancestors. He reminds them, we know that God has blessed Abraham. Blessed him with Isaac when he was 100 years old. Sarah was 90 years old. He blessed Isaac with Rebekah, and they had two sons, and they protected, he protected them and watched over them, and he watched over Israel. Notice Elijah doesn't say God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He says Israel here. He calls him what God called him. And the 12 sons of Israel became the 12 tribes of Israel. And all this was an attempt, I believe, to remind the people of Israel how God has been watching over them. He has been faithful to deliver them, and he's willing to move right here again. And that's why Elijah then said, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel. I am your servant, performing all that I've done because of your word. And let what we've seen in the past in the miracles of our grandfathers and in our nation, let it be seen here today. And then Elijah says, what I believe is the key to this prayer of faith. Because he's praying what we hope God will do. Elijah says, answer me, O Lord. Answer me. When you see repetition like that, notice it. There's a point of emphasis there. We are given permission to ask God to answer us when we call him. And our third and final point today is the prayer of faith will be answered by God. Elijah asked God to answer him so that these people would know he is Lord. And they would turn their hearts back to him. I speak this out in faith and ask you to answer me, and I desire to see people's hearts respond to you. That is what Elijah said. Answer me, O Lord. A lot of times we need to answer God. We answer one another, 
But in the Bible, it says we can ask God to answer us. Not in a demonstrative way, not demanding or being commanding, but simply pleading, God, would you please answer me today? David says this in Psalm. He said in Psalm 20, verse 6, the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from holy heaven. Psalm 34, 4 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Time and time again, the Bible states God answers the prayer. And I know he has the ability right here, right now, to answer you. Want to know how I know this? Look at what happens as a result of Elijah's prayer. Worship team, come join me as we close. Verse 38. It says, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. When Elijah prayed for God to answer him so that the hearts would turn back to God, God responded with fire from heaven. He responded in a way that was absolutely clear, completely evident that it was a miracle from God. I was never great at science, but I don't think natural fire or lightning can consume stones. But the fire of God can. Baal was considered the fire of God. He was the God of lightning and storm. He could never do that. Again, I think God chose a contest in which he could defeat his opponent at his own game. What was considered his strength and make it known to all people that Baal has no power. That Baal cannot protect you. It cannot provide for you. If you want to see true power, look to the Lord your God and submit to him and he will answer you. Friends, if you want to see true power, you cannot rely on the things of this world. You have to put all your trust in God and God alone to say that he will answer you. Will you stand with me this morning as we get ready to close? I don't want to keep talking about how God can answer you. I want to pray with you for God to answer your prayers. From this passage, we see that God answers Elijah's prayer instantly, right? Everybody on the same page? God answered Elijah instantly. It's an immediate response. Does God always answer our prayers immediately? No. We're going to look more at that next week. If you look at the very next prayer that Elijah prays seven times, he goes. It's a prayer of, of persistence, perseverance. But I want us to take time today to believe and pray for an answer from God. Because that's what takes faith. To believe that God will answer us. We're going to go directly into a time of response. I want you to put the, the scripture, James 5.13, back up. It says, again, this is how I want us to close. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him 
anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. you're here today and you're suffering with a physical or emotional pain, I want us as a church to pray for one another. I hope that as brothers and sisters in Christ, if there's someone next to me hurting, I want to know. I want to be able to pray with that person. And if you're here today, you're surrounded by people that love you, that are going through their journey of Christ with you, so if that's you today, you've got pain, you've got sickness, you need healing in your physical body, you need healing over you emotionally, mentally, would you be bold enough to raise your hand and say, I want the church to pray with me? Raise your hand right now. Yep, I see hands. Yep, yep. As people are raising their hand, if you are close by, keep those hands up. Don't be, don't be shy. You need prayer. We all need prayer. Nothing wrong with that. If you're nearby someone and you're comfortable, to stretch out your hand toward them. Maybe if they're okay with it, to put a hand on their shoulder. The worship team is going to sing a song, and we're going to pray in faith, believing that God can heal now. Do we believe that God can heal now? Do we have faith in this room? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We have to have faith for it. All right, would you stretch out your hands? I'm going to pray. The worship team is going to lead us. We're just going to take a few moments to pray and believe for complete healing complete health in Jesus' name. Church, can we believe together? God, I pray in faith that you are the God that answers your people. That you did it in the Old Testament, you did it in the New Testament, and you're here to do it again in this place. God, would you move in a mighty way that makes it very clear to us that it's nothing that we've done. It's not about our ability or inability. It's about you and your strength because you are the great physician you are the great healer. God, we ask for healing in Jesus' name for each person in this room from head to toe. Heart, soul, body, strength, everything would be in alignment. Everything would be functioning as you created us to be, God. God, I pray that you would do breakthrough here today. Healing would take place here today. Church, just continue to pray these next few minutes. Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.